I mean, I have clients that show up and they're, they have no confidence. They hate their job. They hate their body. And all they do is focus on the action steps inside changing their body. They get a new job. They start making more money. They get a new boyfriend. They start going out with people. Like it's like confidence dominoes. But I think that's the case in like any area of life. If you show up and you start taking action in any area of life, everything else in your life typically starts getting better because you just show up as a better person because you've made the decision to be better. And I think the body is the one that leads the most because that's how we show up in person. That's what everybody sees first. They don't look at us and see, oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm smart. I have this GPA. They see, oh, I have abs. I'm overweight. You know, I carry myself with my shoulders slouched. So the body is where we present first. So that's usually typically the best place to start. Thank you for checking in with us on this here edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. And remember that our goal here is to entertain your brain and entertain we shall. But before we get started, I just want to remind you all to please go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download the podcast that you listen to and hit the subscribe button for our show so that you can bring the variety straight through your ear holes and into those big, beautiful brains of yours without even having to think about it. You can also download the episodes at the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And don't forget that we love staying in touch with you, so be sure to reach out to us on the socials or by email at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now for this episode, we bring you the very inspirational Chastity Snowden. Chastity is a wellness and lifestyle coach helping people design the body they desire, and she is fearlessly authentic, and that will make complete sense once you hear the episode. During our discussion, you will hear Chastity explain her work with clients, all the important steps to make the necessary changes to live a better life, some of the personal challenges and triumphs that have brought her to this point in her life, and much more. Be sure to follow Chastity Snowden on all the socials, and if you are looking for an online wellness and lifestyle coach, reach out and see if Chastity's right for you. So, without further introduction, ladies and gentlemen, Chastity Snowden. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend Colt. Yes, sir. And with us on the line today, all the way from beautiful Florida, Chastity Snowden. How are you doing today, Chastity? I'm doing great, actually. Yeah? Actually, yeah. what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I think people say it, but they don't actually mean it. I actually mean it. Gotcha. Yeah. Most but, people just say, fine, great. And I'm like, no, you probably feel like crap. You're not smart. <laughs> uh-huh. I actually feel great. <laughs> Why do you think we do that? Why do you think we answer with, with, you know, fine or I'm doing good and we really don't mean it? Because the person that's asking doesn't care, and we know that. Yeah. They really don't want to know. They don't have time for you to actually answer the question. It's more like a high in America. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. So the whole conversation is just disingenuine, right? We we really don't care about what the other person. Yeah. (laughs) So so should we even do it? Or should we? Or but then you're gonna make the other person feel like crap anyways because you didn't. Do you know what I'm saying? So like. Should you say it and not be authentic with it and then that person realizes that or should you not say anything and then they still think you're an ass because you didn't say anything to them? Well, they, it's kind of gotten to where if you don't say it, people will think you're an ass. Right. But they don't really want to know. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's kind of like if you walked by somebody and you didn't say hi. Right. You just walked by and you were just like, mm, rude. They'd be like, what's wrong with them? But now you got to be like, hi, how are you? Like, but really it just means hi. I'm acknowledging that you're a human. Other than that, I don't really care. Get out of my way. I got things to do. <laughs> I think that's a, that's accurate, but I like how you 
injected the I'm actually good or actually okay, whatever you said. It, it was great because you actually are doing fine, right? Yeah, I actually am. I'm great. Yeah, yeah. it's a great day. It's Saturday. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and I'm super jealous right now of you being in Florida. That's I, I love Florida. I, every time, every chance I get to go down there, I swear I'm going to find a way to get down there and not leave. But you know, all my there's family's in Missouri, so there's these things called planes and like houses and condos. Like you can totally do that because I did it. So yeah. <laughs> I promise they have schools for kids. They've got all kinds of stuff down here. Right? They have schools. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Florida was just for vacations. I didn't realize they had schools and everything like that too. That's, That's awesome. awesome. I know they do. They have all this weird stuff, buses and like, but we do have, you can't drive as fast because of a lot of the snowbirds are in the way, but yes. other than that, you're good. Nice. <laughs> well, Chastity, thanks again for joining us today. You are, what, what officially are you? How do you present yourself as far as your, your, your job, your career? Um, what do you do? I'm a wellness and lifestyle coach. Okay. Is what I call myself these days. And, and t- <laughs> tell me what that means to you. What is a wellness and lifestyle coach? What, what does that person do? Um, basically, I help people figure out what they want. And I show them that they can literally have anything they want in life. Typically, it's inside the body category, you know, changing their body composition, performance and health. And they tell me what they want. They picture it really far away. And I always explain it like, you just picture the island and I'll set the buoys up in between so that you don't drown on the way there. Nice. Okay. So wellness, guide me through this. What, what is wellness mean? Cause when I think of wellness, you, like you said, it's a lot of body, body composition, what, what the body, what it is, what it does, what it looks like, but isn't wellness more than that? Is, isn't there a pretty big uh, mental component to that as well? And, and maybe even emotional component if we want to get into that. So discuss the holistic approach to wellness, if you could. Yeah, basically, I I think everything determines everything. So if I'm working with you inside of your body composition, typically it's not just here's your plan, go do it, because there's all the reasons why you want emotional, self-esteem, you know, my, you know, work, my spouse, whatever it is, relationship issues. So usually in order to get you to your goal, we have to figure out why you're sabotaging yourself or what's going on inside of those other areas of your life, which means I basically deal with everything inside of you have in order to get you healthier. I have to deal with all aspects of life, which is make you well in all aspects of life to get you to your goal. I mean, in the goal, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's performance, sometimes it's aesthetic. But to be honest, most of the time it's talking about the relationship they have with their spouse or the fact that they have an eating disorder. We don't spend time on the the to-dos are easy. It's to get them to do it mm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Oftentimes, Colt and I, on this show, we talk about mindset and how important mindset is. And it's such a symbiotic relationship between the mental and the physical, right? Because I feel better when I look good physically, right? It just makes me feel better about myself. And I can see the reaction, the responses of others around me because they can see that not only do I, I look better, but I feel better because I kind of shine when I know I look better. And so that in turn makes my mental health, you know, more balanced, right? And so it creates this, this cyclical, you know, well, uh, uh, wellness, this healthiness that I have about me. And it shows for me, not just from the way I look, but my personality, And so on the inverse of that, when someone isn't happy about the way they look, it takes such a toll on not just their, their inner person, right? But also their response to the world because that inner person tends to come out. And, uh, it's one of the, one of the biggest problems that I think that people who like, I'll just use overweight for example, people who are overweight, 
they get into that funk, right? And it just breeds more unhealthy lifestyle habits that they have. Yeah. And so that it's hard to break out of that though. How, I mean, how do we, how can someone break out of that cycle when it's so tough? What, what would you say some of the first steps are to try to pull the eject button out of that negative pattern? Action is really my first step. I always talk to people, even in a sales conversation, when I get them on the phone, I always tell them like, if you don't take action, you're never going to change. Most of the time you don't feel like taking action. So the first step is action. Then we have to keep you taking more and more action every single day, small steps in order to get to your goal. But along the way you become somebody different. I mean, I have clients that show up and they're, they have no confidence. They hate their job. They hate their body. And all they do is focus on the action steps inside changing their body. They get a new job. They start making more money. They get a new boyfriend. They start going out with people. Like it's like confidence dominoes. But I think that's the case in like any area of life. If you show up and you start taking action in any area of life, everything else in your life typically starts getting better because you just show up as a better person because you've made the decision to be better. And I think the body is the one that leads the most because that's how we show up in person. That's what everybody sees first. They don't look at us and see, oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm smart. I have this GPA. They see, oh, I have abs. I'm overweight. You know, I carry myself with my shoulders slouched. So the body is where we present first. So that's usually typically the best place to start. Hmm. So when somebody comes to you, do you have any kind of like a survey type of deal that they maybe fill out that gives you an idea of them? Or is it just straight conversation? And then I'm sure it depends on the person, but like, where do you start with somebody when they first come to you and say, my life is in your hands, let's do this? Yeah, I do have a survey when they even fill out um, just to get on a first conversation. Because if you're, I mean, one of my questions is on a scale of one to 10, are you ready to change your life? If you're like, eh, I'm like a five. Well, to me, that's, you're not ready. Not you're all just in, right? For information. Like you're not to that point where you're like, I want to change this. I'm tired of it. Because a lot of times people have to get to that point in order to give me enough time to change their life. So that survey really kind of weeds it out. But I typically get on the phone either way. And once I start talking to them and I start talking about the pain points, I realize that they really want to change. Um, as far as how I change people's life, it's always different. Every single person has a different plan and it's all individualized. But my clients, my individual clients talk to me 24 hours a day. So literally, that's why I don't take on a ton. They video message me, which is crazy transformational when someone that doesn't like themselves has to look at themselves every day. Um, so that was kind of a side reason I did it. But it's also <laughs> I get to know them because the things they don't say in a text message, I can see when they video me. Right. So we do video messages and text messages all day long. So most of the time, the biggest things that I change are in the course corrections during their day or their mindset directions. They'll say something. I'll be like, hmm, go back and watch that video. What did you hear there? What are you actually saying? This is what I'm hearing. Are you hearing this? And I just ask them questions and they realize, oh my gosh, like, I was talking so bad about myself or I was limiting my beliefs about myself or here's the story that I have. And, and then it's like, okay, hit your macros. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not, that's the important part, but it's like, we have to get past all the junk so that they can show up. Right. That's good. I love the concept of the action steps first. 
because I believe that I believe in the process, right? And, and we've, there's something else that we have also kind of examined and, and dissected, just how important the process in and of itself is. It's like you have to have a belief in the process. You have to have that that philosophy that in a mindset. But if you just show up, right? Showing up is a big part of the battle. Just showing up, eventually, you're going to fall into that into that spot. You're gonna you're gonna fall into that that piece. Right. It's going to fit together to where you need to be. So I love that. I also love that you brought up the confidence dominoes. That that really. Uh, have, you, have you used that before? Yeah. yeah? Okay. <laughs> I don't know where I got it, but <laughs> I would give people credit if I if I didn't make it up. But I don't know. It's just it's a very good explanation, and it just shows you. I really like to talk in pictures because I think they stick. Mm. They get really really sticky, and they people can't get rid of them. Yeah. Um, so talking a lot of analogies and it just, you can see dominoes like falling and it's like their life is completely changing. Yeah. Yeah. That one stuck with me. I, I like the confidence. <laughs> so I didn't know if it was something off the cuff or something. You made. I would just go ahead and, and take credit for it if I were you. So, cause okay, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Confidence Dominoes by Chastity Snowden. <laughs> I don't know if I've said it on a podcast, so yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're going to say that. We're going to take credit for it, too, for you being first here. I love that. I came up with, with you guys. <laughs> Great. So, Chastity, I know it's been a long road for you um, to get to where you're at right now. First of all, I keep seeing three months to 39 years old. So, it, it, you're three months away from being 39 years old. Is that what that means, Correct. I'll be 39 December 14th. December 14th. That's great. And so <laughs> why it seems like you're proud of that or, or that you or you want to you want to let that shine. Why? Because most people are scared of getting older. Mm -hmm. And I seem to get better as I get older. But I've made the decision to. So I moved away from Georgia and now live in Florida. Well, in Georgia when it gets cold, people put on a lot of clothes and watch a lot of football and eat a lot of trash. And then they hate their body. And then it becomes this vicious cycle. During the summer, they just don't go outside as much or they wear more. They just like don't realize that they can be anything that they want. Well, in Florida, everybody's naked all the time. Like you really don't have an option. You pretty much need to be fit or else you don't go outside because you're going to sweat in a coat or sweatpants. So I just think, I don't know. It's just I'm really happy about the fact that I've gone from being sick and overweight to really eating disordered to now I have this freedom in my life. And I just see that anything's possible instead of seeing like, well, I'm 39. I hate my life. I don't like the way I look. My family's annoying. I don't like where I live. Like that's the constant of what I see where people are, where I'm from. And I want to celebrate the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. And also, most people don't know I'm 39, so I think it's kind of fun. They're yeah. like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> well, you yeah. you kind of mentioned eating, eating eating disorders and things like that. When people come on the show that are talking about inspiration and motivation and confidence and how they uh, talk to how they build other people up and things like that, I'm always interested in how that started and how that person gets to where they are so confident with themselves that now I can try to build other people up. So can yeah. we start maybe not at the beginning, but a ways back and let's t work through where, how you got to where you are now from, you know, wherever you want to start. Uh, yeah. So I was raised, whoa, that was a long time back, but I was raised <laughs> by a professional fighter and a fitness instructor. So my parents were both like rocking the abs and the biceps. Like that's just what I was supposed to be. 
And they were like the epitome of perfection, like blonde hair, light eyes, like crazy, like perfect, perfect family. And they were good at everything they did. So I was always just thought I was supposed to be perfect. I went to an all girls school and realized that like body composition as you go up and I was a gymnast as well, body composition changed as you grow. So you get fat and then you get taller, then you get fat and then you get taller. Well, about like 12, my coach told me I was fat. I've had like, you know, girls school, people were doing eating disorder stuff. Like they were all perfect and having 1600s on their SATs plus good at sports. Like I was constantly around people that were really, really good and really were really athletic and fit plus smart. And then I was in a girls school, which they all dabbled in eating disorder tendencies. And it was kind of the thing to do. So I think I was just brought up in a place where you're supposed to be really good at everything. And I saw some negative tendencies of how to get there an easier way, supposedly. And then I went down that rabbit hole a little bit too far. I'm kind of a, I think I have an addictive personality and an extreme personality. So anything I grab a hold of, I typically do either really well or all the way until I'm going to kill myself and run into a wall. But that's where it all started uh, when I was super young. And then in my 20s, I got an autoimmune disease. Um, I had Crohn's disease, but I didn't get the one where you get really skinny. I gained a lot of weight, (laughs) which was kind of a pain. And then I had a lot of stomach issues. So I got really overweight and fought a lot of issues there. And so all of my 20s were basically battling eating disorders. So I think one of the reasons I'm good at helping people is because I feel like I've been everywhere they've been. Because when you're eating disorder, depressed and anxious, you can't keep jobs. So I've done every job under the sun. I fought eating disorders and autoimmune disease. Like, I think that's the other reason I'm proud I'm 39 because there's no way I would be where I am at 39 if I didn't go through all that. And I used to think of like all the time, why am I in this situation? Why did I go through this? Why did I lose another job? Why did I quit another job? Why am I back in the doctor for anxiety medication? Like why, why, why? And it's like at 39, I'm finally waking up going, oh, literally every single person I come in contact with, whatever their struggle is, I've been there. Like all of them. Right. (laughs) So it's a gift. And I think that's how most people that are helping other people, they're coaching, they're confident enough to stand there and be like, hey, let me pull you up out of the quicksand because I'm now standing on solid ground and I know what the quicksand feels like. So they trust me and they actually reach their hand out to have me help them because they know I've been where they are. Right. So you said your dad was a professional fighter, was like actual fighter or a boxer or what? He was a boxer. A boxer. So what kind of a a lifestyle, what kind of a household was that? Well, he actually quit before, like when I was like, he was 20 something, I think. And he had me when he was 22. So he went back and fought a couple of times. Okay. It was an interesting household because he was also an addict. So an addict that no longer is fighting tends to punch things. So he punched a few things that were inanimate objects that probably should not have been hit. Um, He was very aggressive human and um, he still is. He's a very aggressive man and you just learn how to get out of the way and like read energy. But it was a blessing too because I I, I mean like when I would go to the breakfast table at what, like 6 a.m., he had already been up, had a pot of coffee, worked out for an hour and like had things to say. And he's like, what? You're behind. Like, so as an adult, I still, I wake up feeling like I'm behind. I like no snooze button out of bed. Let's roll, go outside, work out. Like 
it just set the tone for my life because that's what I saw all the time was you just, you get up, you get stuff done and you aggressively attack everything, which is a gift unless it's an inanimate object. That was. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm guessing that's also where you got the addict personality as well too, correct? Yeah. I knew that I shouldn't drink and probably do cocaine because that didn't really go well (laughs) with um, dad. He kind of like struggled with that. Right. And then, but and like, but then I was like, oh, so there's this like legal thing I can do. I can like overeat and sedate, and I had like candy wrappers everywhere, and I'd be like, wow, that was cool. I felt super relaxed, you know. And I figured out how to sedate with food and how to control something in my life. <laughs> Being- <laughs> That's a lot. I know. That's- I'm like, it's a lot of information. <laughs> That's good though. I like that. I like having a lot to digest. So. Uh, a lot of points there, though, so I'm having to kind of organize which one I want to hit first. Let's go back to the eating disorder for a minute, if we can. There was a lot of peer pressure involved there, and it, it also, I think, ties into kind of the addictive nature of your personality. How, do you still struggle with, with that? Is that still something that you carry with you? Not, I mean, it's it's an emotion that comes up, but not something that I act on anymore. Good, okay. So did you replace that that behavior with more or with healthier behaviors. And so what I'm trying to get to is the substitution of negative behaviors with positive behaviors. I know because that's, that's the way that I've only been able to beat things myself. Um, like for instance, smoking cigarettes. I used to be a smoker of cigarettes and I, I loved it. I, I loved having a cup of coffee in the morning and smoking a cigarette. I loved the first thing I did when I got in my car, I smoked a cigarette. Um, I, I just, I loved smoking cigarettes and it, and it was tied into a lot of routine and ritual that I had. And so I had to dismantle that routine. I had to take it one by one and say, okay, I'm going to replace this behavior at this point in time with this healthy behavior. And I went through and systematically and very methodically um, took away that, that, uh, that system that I had in place, those habits. And so I just wonder, if, if, is that a way that you, can, can you relate to that? Can you relate to that dismantling? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of times addictions become habits. It's like you get a feeling and then you know what takes that feeling away. And sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, where did this alcoholic beverage come from? I didn't remember. Mm -hmm. I would be in a grocery store with an entire like buggy full of food and I'd be like, I don't remember driving here. And it was like you would black out to get rid of the emotion and just go straight toward the sedation. So I actually use that a lot. I read a book, uh, The Habit Loop, I think is the name of it. But anyway, the how to like, you already have habits. The best way and easiest way is either to replace them or if you want to create a new one to loop them together so that they automatically just start syncing together and your brain just doesn't have to think about it. Mm. So I, with my clients, I use habit interrupts and I I learned it because I went through EDA and which is Eating Disorders Anonymous. And, um, like my habit interrupt, which was my person that I would call. So she'd be like, cause you in eating disorders, there's so much shame and guilt. You don't want to tell anybody you like sit in the dark and do it smoking. You're like standing outside where everybody else can breathe it. Right. It's kind of a pain, but it's just like the habit interrupt was as soon as the thing happened or I had the buggy full of food or I had a cookie in my mouth. It was like, Whoa, interrupt this habit, stop it and call her. So it got to where the emotion would come up and I would call her. So I become the habit interrupt for my clients that are eating disorder hmm. because I know I don't give a crap. I'm like, whatever you're doing, I've probably done it better. Like, <laughs> I how to do it where you can hide it. I, I've done it all and I don't have any judgment around it. Do you want to change or not? But yeah, I totally agree with that. Like 
if you replace it with a good habit. And so then also like the habit interrupt, I would interrupt it. They text me and I'm like, okay, let me ask you a question. What could you do instead now in order to make you feel better? And they come up with the things sometimes to help them feel better and they'll go do that and let me know how it feels. Excellent. So the habit interrupt is kind of like a sponsor in, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like an EA or AA sponsor. Right. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, and so some of the things I used to do, I would get the urge to go smoke a cigarette, so I'd get right down and make myself do push-ups. You know, and so I I wasn't just replacing the behavior with something. Like I could have, I could have replaced it and substituted with something like eating, right? Which is not a good thing because I would have eaten myself and ended up weighing, you know, five hundred pounds and not been a smoker, but would have had a whole new problem (laughs) to deal with, right? Yeah. And so it's usually the case with addictions that you usually replace them with bad things. Yes, because you want that dopamine rush or, you know, you, you want that thing that's going to comfort you. And, and so for a lot of people, they they also use something like cigarette cigarette smoking for, uh, you know, as a diet plan, which is definitely not a good thing to do. Right. <laughs> no. So I, I, I like the idea. and I think it's very important that you substitute things, not not just substitute uh, bad habits, but you make sure that you're conscious of what you're substituting with. Make sure it's a healthy choice. Make sure it's something good. And that in and of itself, because it was a, it was a major driver, it caused me to have a healthier lifestyle all around. And earlier you were talking about being uh, almost 39 and, and like being proud of almost being 39 because of what you've accomplished and, and where you're at right now. You, it, it's a, it's a great milestone for you. And I feel the same way. I, I'm, I'm better than I have ever been before in my entire life. You know, and I like that because Colt, he gets on to me sometimes because I'm always talking about how old I am. Right. So I'm, I'll be 42 in December and uh, I, I probably mentioned it too much, but <laughs> I, I think that's why I, I kind of have that same, that same approach because I'm better now than what I have ever been. I'm healthier. I'm stronger. Um, I, you know, you name it, right? I'm not going to go down the list, but <laughs> now I'm just, now I'm just brag. bragging. Now I'm just bragging. He's like, hold on. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let me everything this is, this is really why I tell him to stop talking most of the time. <laughs> I, I tend to rant, but anyway, uh, no, I, I'm proud of that though. That makes me feel good inside. And so I connected with that as well, but, um, eating disorders, most of the time when we talk about eating disorders, we're talking about anorexia and, and bulimia, right? But how about overeating? How much in, in your profession right now, how much do you deal with people who just can't stop eating? A lot. Yeah. And so the, the, what kind of reasons, if you could give us some examples, just, you know, very general, of course, um, but reasons why people can't stop eating, do they, do they talk about that with you? Do they talk about the emotion and the motivation behind that? And if so, share some of those stories with um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot, actually a lot of my clients and over the years, the hundreds of clients I've dealt with, there's a lot, there's a multitude of reasons. It's typically like they're walking away from some other kind of addiction or they're dealing with some kind of relationship or they're just bored um, or they're just in places where there's all kinds of food. So if you, the problem with eating disorders in is we live in America and there's food everywhere. We use it to be sad. We use like you're somebody dies. They're going to deliver 800 pounds of food to you. Like, you know, you celebrate, we have any kind of, there's always food. Like you can't even go to church. There's like food there all the time. It's like, why is everybody eating all the time? (laughs) And with an eating disorder, you can't give up your addiction. Like we literally have to look at it three to six times a day and go, okay, I'm going to consume this in a small amount. I'm going to smoke half of this cigarette today. Like, really? That sucks. I'm going to have half of a drink and not like go on a bender. So every single time they consume it, 
it like sparks that like I want to go a bit on a bender and feel good because for a moment it makes you feel good. I mean, I've had clients that would literally send me videos of like the food that they went to buy to eat and they would just stop and be like, okay, I'm about to eat all this. And I'm like, do you really want to? And they're like, well, not really. I'm like, well, why are you doing that? And most of the time it's because they don't want to feel what they're currently feeling, but it's a gamut of emotions. It's, it's not always like I'm upset about something. Sometimes they're just bored and we don't know how to entertain ourselves or we don't know how to be quiet. Like just all the time we're either on our phone or Netflix or something's on or music's on or podcast is on or we're constantly being fed with stuff and people don't know how to just have silence. So that is a hard place to be. I'm like, well, okay, you probably need to go on a walk or something like and deal with the silence. But there's a million different reasons why they overeat. But the funny thing about eating disorders too, is you usually replace it. So if you're a bulimic, then the first stop is don't throw up because you have to stop that action. That didn't stop me from overeating. Now I just feel disgusting and I overeat and I have to sit here and deal with that. Mm. So there's, and then sometimes it's, I mean, even exercise is a form of eating disorder. They'll eat and then they'll over exercise and run their body into the ground. So you have to be careful with the habit interrupts and everybody's different. But the problem is, is we can't give up our eating disorder. Like we can't, or give up our addiction. We can't give up food unless you're anorexic, but then you got to like start consuming what you hate. Right. <laughs> and that's another lot of anorexics. It's mostly overeaters because most of the time people don't come to me and they're like, I'm skin and bones. Teach me to eat. Like mm. they're like, I'm overweight. I'm like couch to 5k kind of person. And I eat all of my feelings. Yeah. Another point, an important point that you brought up there though, is the, the fact that, uh, you're, you're, you can also overexercise, right? You can also yeah. take that addictive personality and go too far the other way. And so I, I believe, I, you know, we've, we've seen that, especially for someone who already has a proclivity for addiction, right? They already tend to, to, lend that, or to lean that way. Um, it, it causes them to do that thing now and overdo it. And yeah. that could also be a problem. Do you ever have to deal with that in your, in your profession? Yeah, I've dealt with it myself. And so... I've went, I'd done bikini competitions. I went from like 175 pounds overweight, sick to 103 when I did my bikini competition. But I mean, even while I was there, I knew I had to eat certain amounts of food and then I would overeat and throw it up. So the morning show, I went in, did the morning show for my bikini competition, went and overate, threw up, and then went to my night competition at 103 pounds. Like, that's just crazy to me. So what? But I was over working out. Like I was like working out, working out, working out, but then I would control the food and eat exactly my food. Anything extra, I would just get rid of. Like that made sense. It didn't really make sense. <laughs> so what made you Maybe- want to do bikini competitions? Um, it was the epitome of where I thought perfect body composition and health was. Like when I was growing up, I was always looking at oxygen magazines and bodybuilding magazines. And I thought that once I was on stage, I would be happy. Oh, it wasn't true. I hated my life. I didn't have any friends because I would put headphones in and work out in the morning and at night and pray nobody at the gym would talk to me. So it was really because I just wanted to be that per- picture of perfection. But then like to answer your question, like I went in the opposite direction with CrossFit. Then I found CrossFit and then ended up at the CrossFit games because I just went into this crazy rabbit hole of working out all the time. And like, I have to be perfect. I have to go to the pinnacle of everything. So my addictive personality took over 
But luckily the eating disorders weren't there the whole time, which was great. But I think my clients are the same way. They'll be like, they want to go to the extreme instead of just trying to be healthy and normal. They want to be at the pinnacle and the extreme in the exercise part of it. So our culture plays a big role in that, right? We see, yeah. like, like you said, you thought you thought the bikini competition, that, that body composition was the epitome of where you should be if you're going to be at your best. And, and we have, of course, this is a conversation that is, is had a lot, but we have our culture constantly feeding us the ideal person, the ideal body, the ideal uh, man, the ideal woman. Uh, even though that's being skewed a little bit nowadays, but it's it's like you know we, we, the perfect body, you know, it, it's out there for us to always see, and it's in our face. And so, finding balance, I think, is is one of the most important things that I have to have in my life. And I feel like that's probably a universal for people is that we have to find that balance between our drive to be something, and, and maybe that's also kind of balancing that addictive personality that we might have and, and funneling those things, uh, harnessing that energy and using it productively and making sure that we don't overdo things. Uh, but how hard it is, was it for you to find that balance? And is that something that you still struggle with? Oh, I absolutely struggle with it Yeah, because I just go from one goal to the next. So yeah. as soon as I reach a goal, I'm like, check mark. All right, set the new standard, the new goal. And then I run until I hit a wall mm -hmm. and then, my body typically tells me, Hey, by the way, you're out of balance. Cause I'll literally wake up and I'll be like, I can't get out of bed. What happened? I'm sore. I can't think my brain's not working. I hate everyone. And I'm usually a super happy person. So my body just will shut down, but I'll, I do it in every aspect of life. It's probably the addictive thing, but, um, balance to me makes sense unless I'm going for something. So I'll try to keep like when I was going for the CrossFit Games, everything else I tried to keep balanced, but I tried to excel in one area in performance. Mm. And so everything else I would just try to maintain and performance go like crazy all in. And then now my performance, I'm like, I don't really care if I can work out fast. It doesn't really matter. I did that already. Now I'm trying to build a business and help my clients. So I'm like, more, I wake up in the morning talking to clients, going to bed, you know, working online. So, but everything else I'm trying to keep balanced. I'm trying to, you know, I have like a checklist on my refrigerator where it's like, okay, did you do all these things inside of like your face? Did you do all these things inside of building a relationship today? Did you do all these things inside of your body? Instead of it being like run myself into the ground in every area, I usually just do one so that I can kind of maintain balance, but it's totally skewed. <laughs> <laughs> always until I run myself down and then I'm like, Oh yeah, I need a day on a boat, which is tomorrow. <laughs> nice. nice. So how, how hard was the transition from like being all in to do cr in CrossFit to now doing the coaching thing? Like you see a lot of even like NFL players and stuff like that. They, once they're done, they still need that. They still need fed that. So they'll get into like coaching or, you know, some behind the scenes type stuff. So how big was the transition from you from being all in with, being the best you can possibly be to now feeling others to be the best that they can be. It was, it's a hard transition because I'm so competitive. Right. But one of the things I did do is I was, I was like, okay, the only way to kind of feel like I'm balanced and keep moving forward with business. I talked, I still have a CrossFit coach, Kyle Ruth from training think tanks, my coach. And, um, so we started designing like something to sell. So when I went to the gym, 
I was like working out really hard and getting all the data for the workouts because now instead of being the best at performance, I was like, oh, this is something that I can cultivate to sell for business. So I changed the perspective of the gym to be pushing business because that's the thing that I was pushing more so that I would get my tail to the gym. Because otherwise I'd be like, oh, let's skip that. It doesn't align with what I'm pushing. I need to go build business. And he was like, wait a second. You've got to go to the gym because you're nuts if you don't. So I just reframed the perspective. But it was, it was really hard. Um, and, I mean, I just went to the games, like, last last year, was it? So it, it's it's still hard. Like, And I decided not to go to a competitive gym. Like the gym that I work out with, the gym around the corner from me has like two regional teams. There's games athletes. I know a bunch of people there, but my gym is like, like regular human beings that just go there to work out, have fun on Friday nights. They want to have a white claw at the gym after they're done working out. They sit around and laugh. That's what I needed because if I was in the like kill zone, Mm. which is what CrossFit classes can be, I would have been on the floor wrecked and not been able to build my business Right, because I wouldn't cover for that so yeah so i i just made decisions to where i wouldn't kill myself (laughs) which is hard for me (laughs) yeah it's good though you you prioritized where you needed to be and and you based your your base from from that perspective and that's important because if you try to kill yourself at the crossfit gym and then try to kill yourself in business and then when are you going to sleep and oh my that's something that more recently I have really focused on is my sleep. I'm trying to protect my sleep as much as possible because more recently I've, I've succumbed to the pressure and the stress of trying to do too much at once. And that included my healthy lifestyle habits. You know, it included getting up every morning and working out and it included getting to work and grinding there and then having other projects that I'm working on, trying to get my own, you know, stuff started out there and then coming and doing the podcast. And I just, I didn't realize that I was sacking myself. I was not able to function after a while and didn't even see it coming. And that was the, that was the scary part. And I believe now that I've kind of fixed my routine a bit, I've kind of triaged some certain things that it was the lack of sleep that really, that really took me out. And so I'm really trying to protect my sleep nowadays. That's really good. I actually just got this like little whoop watch. So it's like the track your sleep, track your recovery, track how you feel. It's like tracking my heart rate. And supposedly, I don't know if it's great for like super high intense athletes because we're never recovered. We just like keep training. So it'll never tell you you're recovered and you feel like you can't work out. But like for me, I need to be recovered so I can do business. And, but I live like sleep is a hundred. That's like the first thing on my list. Did you sleep eight hours? I have to check that off every day. And if I don't, there's a problem and I can feel it. And I have so many clients too, that if they don't prioritize sleep, we don't reach their goals. Like they don't lose body composition like or lo- don't lose weight and their body composition sucks. And then I'm like, could you just get in bed? Like your sleep <laughs> is so important. They're like, no, but I need to get up and go hit the gym. And I'm like, or you could sleep and go for a walk and you might lose weight. And they're like, really? I'm like, yes, more is not always the answer. Right. Yeah. I agree with sleep thing. <laughs> it's yeah. very important. And we don't think about it. I always tell people the most, the thing you should spend the most money on is not your clothes and your purse. It's good tennis shoes and a good bed. And I act, I have people that like have actually bought new mattresses and they na- now sleep better. I need a mattress sponsor. I should probably like tag them and like start. <laughs> That's like a thousand dollar purchase and I have clients buying them, but they sleep better and then I can help them lose weight and then I can post pictures of them. <laughs> right. 
We will uh, try our best to get the mattress companies to listen to this episode. I think that you might okay. have a, yeah. Yeah, I'll do some research and tag some in the promotion. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, and that's that's a reason. And I know you already know this, Chastity. Uh, it's the reason why it's so important that you share these things. I didn't realize, I, I may have not realized the component of sleep, the, the thing that was lacking in my lifestyle. But I heard some some podcasts. I heard some some people who are uh, healthy and they they have that drive and that momentum, but they also talked about protecting their sleep, having that balance, and it's so important. And all the things that you're talking about, whether it's your you know having those histories of of eating disorders and, and being overweight, and, and and then coming back and conquering those things, and still still you know pursuing uh, a healthy lifestyle habits so that you can have that balance in your life. All these things are so important because people need to hear these things so they can say, you know what, I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. Um, Chastity's been there. She's been through it all. And so, therefore, I know I can do it too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the best people to like listen to are the people that have been there. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, in a lot of instances, people won't even – you're not credible unless you have been there because they're like, how do you know? How would you exactly. know what I'm going through, Right. And I, I always try to, to, to fight back or push back a little bit against that because a good idea or some, some knowledge is knowledge. You know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. If I hear some, some good things from Chastity Snowden that she's been through that I haven't, I can still pass that knowledge along and hopefully someone takes it, you know, even though I haven't been through it myself. Right. But I right. have talked with someone who has been through it. And I think that's an important concept too. But, but you're right. They always feel like it's, it's the most credible coming from the source. And that's probably yeah. why you're experiencing so much success with your clients, I believe is because yeah, you, you are that source. When I decided to become like just completely authentic is when things completely changed. And I was trying to be this like perfect health coach or whatever and like nothing's wrong with me. And then I was like, all right, here you go. I'm a mess. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh my gosh, you're so personable. And I know I have that too. And like then you became like besties and then they wanted my help. I was like, oh, it's much easier not to be perfect and just be like, hey, by the way, I've fought through things, still still have problems, not perfect, still have issues. I still want to eat donuts. You do too. Cool. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have right? Yeah. I mean, like Krispy Kreme, like really? <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Are you a Krispy Kreme or a Dunkin' Donuts fan? Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same. That's yeah, easy. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually heard that you're more of a brownie person. Oh, how did you know that? Podcast I listen to. You're like, listen to you doing homework. I know, but it has to be a brownie without chocolate sauce. Okay. The chocolate sauce ruins it. Why would you ruin a good brownie? Also, day-old brownies, like from the box, are the best kind. Not like pastries from places. Like It needs to be like box brownie, cook it, and then the next day. Not a corner piece, though, the next day. Oh, my gosh. The corner pieces are the best. They're so hard around the corner. They're so good, though, because no. you get the contrast. You get the crispy <laughs> and the chewy. Maybe this is why I'm good at what I do. I love food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited talking about brownies. But it's funny. I was talking to a friend last night. I went to a friend's house, and he's like now a new vegan. and uh, But he eats some chicken and some turkey or fish or whatever. But he's like primarily he eats veg vegetables. And we were like freaking mm -hmm. out over acai chocolate covered bites that they have in the store at Costco. And they're like these little balls of love. They're so good. Um, 
But I was like, it's so funny because I've gone from being like, what's your favorite food? Oh, pizza and ice cream and wings to like, I would literally never choose those. I'd be like acai bowl, Thai food, you know, sushi, like a CBD water. Like that's what I would want as my like go-to on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday fun day. Like I just pizza and the, the other stuff doesn't appeal to me as much. Now, Krispy Kreme donut, I wear brownie. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. One of the people that I work with, she struggles with her weight and she's made some great gains. She's a, she's sitting at a uh, hundred pounds lost so far. I mean, so she's making some really big steps in her life and it's yeah. huge and she's got a ways to go, but she's just like, she's killing it. Right. And we talk about the taste for food sometimes. And I, I cause I mentioned to her kind of the same thing. I used to like crave ice cream and crave Reese's peanut butter cups. It's just, those are amazing for me. It's like one of my, uh, one of my crutches, <laughs> I guess you could say. And, uh, these other things, but nowadays if I drink a soda, if I were to drink a soda, uh, a regular soda of any kind, it's, it doesn't taste right to me anymore. I don't yeah. like that anymore. I don't, you know, Reese cup every once in a while, I'll still have one of those sometimes. But, uh, a lot of the things like donuts, I used to eat the heck out of donuts all the time. I was eating donuts. I don't really eat donuts anymore. When I do, I feel like it's, it's not just like psychologically, I don't have that guilt because I can treat myself every once in a while because I do good for the most part nowadays. You know, I do good, you know, for long stretches of time and you want to, you want to treat yourself. I don't call it a cheat meal. I call it a treat meal, right? Because I'm only cheating if I wasn't supposed to do it. If I plan on doing it, then, right. But, uh, and I think there's a little, little connotation there too. I think is important to keep our, keep our spirits up. But, uh, if you get away from those things, she was talking about McDonald's cheeseburgers, right? She, she was going to miss the quarter pounder with cheese. I said, trust me, if you start eating, if you still like hamburgers, start getting the very, very lean meat, cooking that at home, making it for yourself. And the next time you go to eat McDonald's after you do that for a month, you're going to think, what was I eating? Because this is just not right. It doesn't even taste right. It's full of sodium. It tastes like you're eating on a salt lick with a little bit of, (laughs) I don't know what it is, what kind of meat they're putting in that thing. It's not good. It actually doesn't mold either. I had a cheeseburger and a French fry like in a bag for 10 years and they just look exactly the same. I've seen and the, bag, the bag disintegrated, but they didn't. That's insane. That's really gross. So yeah. bacteria didn't even eat it. It wasn't in the fridge. It just sat out in my yeah. room. Like yeah, nothing ate it. It was gross. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. So, I'm a fan of the quarter pounder with cheese. Are you? Yeah. 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 But possibly because I haven't given it enough time away from it to, for it not to taste good. That, that was my point. That was my point with her. It's like she yeah. she's still treating herself with that, and yeah. I get that. But try to find something better to treat yourself with, right? right? I mean, yeah. not, not the quarter pounder because it's just so bad. It's so bad for you, and especially if you're because you're not trying to make the kind of gains that she's trying to make. Um, more than that, you're trying to probably put on weight. You know, right. at least most of the time if you're not cutting, but. Uh, she's trying to take weight down. She needs to alter her palate. She needs to kind of reset that that palate so that she doesn't find the same pleasure in eating those things that are just so unhealthy for her. And so I wanted, I, I encouraged her. I was like, if you try it, if you try to stay away from that for a month and eat, replace it with something that's better instead, uh, your palate will take on that new thing. And, and the other thing, if you if you were to try it after that, it's not going to taste good to you anymore. And it's so worth it. So I, I believe that's a you know, something I, I try to be motivational about. Give it a shot. Try it because it will work, you know. Yeah, my client, and I have that happen with a lot of clients. But th- I think the freedom, the, like I have a client right now, one of the reasons he's changed what he eats is because there's now a freedom that there is no right or wrong. Like I never say you can't have this or you can't have that. And he's like, 
simply because you told me I could eat whatever I want, I now don't need it as much. It's almost like I was eating it to sabotage myself or eating it because I thought I was doing something wrong or like, he, 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 like, but now I don't need it. Or if I eat a cookie, I only need one because I can eat a cookie again tomorrow. So it's not a big deal. And it's really changed his perspective. He was a binge eater. Um, and so now we're macro basing what he eats and he can eat whatever he wants inside that. And I never told him to change his composition of calories. I was like, I don't really care. Like, if you want to eat a salad with olive oil or you want to eat a hamburger, they're both have fat, protein and carbs. I don't really care. Eat either one. And he was like, wait a second. I'm, I'm confused. And I was like, just count your macros. I don't care. And all of a sudden he's like sending me pictures of like, I'm eating, you know, instead of this, I decided to go with this. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I can't eat that. I'm like, well, that makes sense. So it's like the mindset of not having any parameters. He feels like he has control. So now he can choose things that are better for him. And it's his decision, not mine. Mm. Has your diet changed a lot now that you're more business driven than uh, competition driven? Yeah, I don't eat as many carbs. Okay. I eat like 350 carbs a day. So I would like, I mean, and to get that many carbs in, I'd be crushing Rice Krispie treats every day because, I mean, there's only so many vegetables you can eat. Right. And actually fiber slows you down in a CrossFit gym. So you don't want as much fiber. So I get most of my fiber from my capsules and stuff that. So now I eat a lot of just chicken and vegetables and turkey and vegetables and bison and veg vegetables that because I'm now trying to change my body composition and lean out instead of having as much fluff from all the carbs and all the working out really hard. So I do a lot of walking and less eating. Hmm. So you're, yeah. I mean, are you doing full on keto or is it, or just, no, no, not, not at all. Okay. Mm -mm. No, I, I eat about 150 carbs a day right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. I keto, I only use keto for like a cortisol, like blood or uh, blood glucose, like reset. If I feel like my body's not using the carbohydrates the right way, then I might do keto for like two to three days. And then I go back out because it's just not sustainable for me because that, my grandmother cooks. And if I go home, I don't want to like blow up. I like her food. And then I really enjoy fruit. I used to be a fruitarian for a while, one of my eating disordered issues. And so to pull fruit out of my diet is horrible for me. So, yeah, taking all the carbs away, I'm just not a happy person. Mm. And I can even tell if I don't have carbohydrates, like I'll get really, really deficient and can't think. And so, so if I have seven calls in a row with clients, like it's more important to me to be like, okay, I need carbs right now so I can serve them versus, okay, I'm trying to diet. So I diet really slowly and feed myself according to business. Gotcha. Um, I can stay in a deficit if I wanted to for a while, but then if I show up and I'm like, what did you say? Like, they're not really going to pay me. They're <laughs> 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 much good. Um, so I just, I, that example was like two days ago. I had been in a deficit and lost like three pounds and like was feeling good, but I was like brain fog, had seven, seven clients in a row. So I was like, acai bowl it is. And I ordered one, ate it. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. And like two hours <laughs> still writing content. Cause I hadn't had that many carbs in forever. But the cool thing is, is like, then I gained a few pounds and then lost it again. So it wasn't a big deal. Right. But yeah, the primary focus is the clients. And so I just take the dieting slowly. <laughs> 
It's funny that you mentioned the Rice Krispie treats earlier. Um, those are also great, by the way. Those are great. <laughs> but I, I saw a warning yesterday about Rice Krispies. It said that you shouldn't eat those because as you get older, you start to experience a lot of snapping, crackling, and popping. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding? That is the worst joke. That was so bad. That was terrible. Hey, look! I just saw it on Facebook like yesterday. So that was awesome. Right. So did he always tell these jokes? Do what? Does he always tell these jokes? Uh, kind of. They they always go over about this well too. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. I'm just impressed by how long you were able to keep a straight face through it. That's good. The delivery is the most important part, I believe. I really, I, I think that, that you did that well. Thank you. Thank I you. mean, we laugh. We might not have laughed at the joke, but we laugh. I accept laughing at me, not necessarily laughing with me. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. So as long as I get a smile out of the situation. That's just, amazing. Uh, <laughs> Chastity, if you will, talk to us about, about your... Um, your business. Talk to us about FLA. What does that mean? How did you come up with that? How you how you facilitate your training, uh, your coaching, and uh, yeah, just let us know what that's all about. Okay, that is a big long story. Not it's not that long, but um, I actually it's so interesting. Fearlessly authentic movement came up over the course of like two years, but it's really like my life story. I was trying to make the CrossFit games. This is where the fearless comes from. And I ended up on a team. We ended up one place away from going to the CrossFit games. So we were sixth. And I had been working for four years to try to get there. This was going to be my last go. And I was like, hey, I'm poor. I've put all my money into this. I probably should become an adult. Everybody on my team's 25. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not. But we missed it by one place. And I was like, man, that sucks. And my identity was just all skewed because I was like, okay, I'm not a CrossFit Games athlete. I didn't make it. That's what I had always saw myself as. And my identity was just a wreck. So I got on the phone with one of my mentors, Becky Konzelman, that runs Faith RX. Um, but she passed away this past year. Um, and she reminded me that my identity wasn't in CrossFit. Just because I go to the CrossFit Games doesn't, like, what's going to happen two to three years after that? Like, you, you're not a CrossFit athlete really anymore. Just like you're not a bikini competitor. Just like... You're not whatever job you used to have or the best at football or basketball or whatever. Like your identity can't be placed in what you're doing and you can't worry about what people think. And their slogan for that year was fearless for Faith RX. And she was like, you have to learn to place your identity in something that's solid and then not fear what everybody else thinks because that's really what's driving you. You're worried that people are like, oh, you didn't make the games. So for the next year, I was like, okay, I'm. What do I want to do? Where is my purpose? What? And so I started pursuing the CrossFit games, but I also started telling my story more and realized I had nothing to fear. And so I got fearless tattooed on my side and it didn't matter if I made the CrossFit games. I was like, whatever, I'm doing this process and working out because I enjoy it. It was the journey that was important and who I became along the way that was important. So I got tattooed on my side fearless. And there's an arrow underneath it because she was like, basically, this is God pulling you back so that you could go forward and like catapult yourself. So you need to focus on that. She didn't tell me to get a tattoo, but I did. So then the next year I ended up making the CrossFit Games, which was amazing. And right after that, I realized my identity was confused again. And I was I don't understand. And I went to 
Um, because now I was like, I'm done. Check mark. What next? I need a new goal. And I went to the Wake Up Warrior movement. Um, Garrett J. White has that. And um, it was the only time he had a group of women go through it. And they no longer have that. I was one of 300 women and I think 50 women that went through the accelerated process. But his quote, the reason he started his movement is because um, he said he realized he was telling a lot of lies. And so I realized that I was still having eating disorder tendencies. And like I still lied about a lot of things because I wanted to appear perfect because I was fearing what other people thought. And I wasn't, I was scared to look in the mirror of like what I looked like and who I was. I just was so fearful of everything. And he, his quote is the most powerful person in the room is the one that has nothing to hide. And I realized I was hiding all these things because I wasn't being authentic. I wasn't being truthful. So of course I went and got another tattoo and I tattooed authentic on my arm And then I started just having this thought about I need to be fearless and authentic and I need to be fearless and authentic. And in order to do that, I had to let go of eating disorders. I had to let go of what people thought. I had to make a decision of what I want and run toward it. And I wanted to help people do that. And so I started looking in the mirror and being like, okay, this is what I want to change. That's not who I am, but this is what I want to change. I looked at my business or what I was doing. This is what I want to change, not who I am, but what I want to change. And I just started making decisions to go toward things. And I just kept saying fearlessly authentic, fearlessly authentic. I, that's just was my words. And then I lost my job with another company and uh, realized that I was going to create my own. And I just had already been saying that with a lot of people. And crazily enough, it took me moving from, and there's so many aspects of it, that took me moving from Georgia to Florida to get off all my anxiety and depression medication Um, And to be in the sunshine. And I realized that fearlessly authentic was fearless and authentic. So F-L-A. So it was like kind of a gateway for me to become who I was. Um, So the whole entire movement and the reason behind it is kind of my story and how I came through things. But when I typically explain it to people, it's like what I want to do is help you look in the mirror, whether it's look at the food you actually are eating and put it in my fitness pal and look in the mirror or look in the mirror and take the picture and figure out where you are in your life. Because until you look at where you are, you can't decide where you're wanting to go. Right. And so A to B is where we're wanting to go. Um, and then I'll help you get there, but you have to look in the mirror first and you have to completely fear, like let go of the fear of what other people think, quit judging yourself, just authentically look at yourself, be honest about everything. And then you can have anything you want. So that's where the name of the company came from. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it is, but I love it. I love it because, you know, there was a time in my life where I was in a depressed state of being. Uh, that's another fancy way of saying, I guess, that I was depressed at that time, you know, going through it. And I couldn't, I, I could not look at myself in the mirror for, for um, a number of reasons. I was, I didn't want to see what was going to be looking back at me. And it was, uh, this, it was a very real thing. It was a very dark thing for me to experience. And over time, I realized how important it is for me to be able to look in the mirror, for me to be able to see for better, for worse, whatever, whatever it is to look back at me. Because just like you said, you have to know where point A is at before you can get to point B. And this is something I work with in my, in my profession with clients as well. 
is because if you're trying to get to point B and you don't know where point A is at, you're just, you're over here and you're over here and you're going this way because you don't really have any idea where your reality lies. You don't have a foundation, a, a, a launching pad from which to go off of because you, you're not honest about where you actually are in your life. And so that's a very important point and that's very authentic. Uh, that, that, you know, it, it really is a very authentic, um, basis that you, that you, uh, that you started all of this from. And there was a lot of soul searching there. I would imagine a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of thought, a lot of long nights and, and, you know, waking up and, and saying, okay, I got to do this. I've got to make the best out of this and, and just go into task, right. Just as hard yeah. as you can go. Absolutely. It's, I feel like it was something that was given to me. I had to go through a lot to get here, but if I can help, you know, people look in the mirror and get to where they want to go, then that was the reason I was supposed to go through all of that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I always explain to my clients, it's like a GPS. It's, you know, if you don't know where you are, you can't really figure out how to get to where you're going. You wouldn't get in the car and be like, and also you can't really figure out where you're going unless it's clear, specific and vivid and tangible. And it's actually a target. I mean, and all, I always work a lot with my clients about building goals and building like actual specific things that they want to go to that they're running toward. Most people say, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I'm like, well, what is the weight you want to actually see until you actually say, I want to be 140 pounds. You can't run toward it. Like you don't put in a GPS. I want to not be here. You put where you're going and you have to see it and you have to see who you are when you get there in order to get to that point. Mm. So we work a lot on that. And half the time it's just like clarifying their goals in order to figure out a way to get there. Cause they don't even know what they just say. I want to lose 10 pounds. Cause everybody says I want to lose 10 pounds. That's just what they say. They're like, if I lose 10 pounds, it's better. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Cause I really need to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> of course you do. I'm just like everybody else. I want to lose weight and gain muscle. Right. That's every single person's goal. Those are two different things and <laughs> two different protocols. One's a surplus, one's a deficit of calories. But, you know, that's some education piece that I have to teach them. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Chastity, if you could mm -hmm. go ahead and promote yourself, promote your business. Where can people find you? Give us links. Give us anything that you want to for people to find you because I feel like when they do, you're going to help to change their life. And so let's point people in your direction. Um, my Instagram is chastity Snowden underscore FLA and that's C H A S I T Y. I always make a joke cause I did this when I was in like seventh grade. There's no titty in my name and everybody <laughs> always, everybody remembers it. So and I did that when I was literally in seventh grade to a teacher. It was awkward. Um, <laughs> maybe I was supposed to talk even from a childhood perspective. Um, chastity Snowden underscore FLA. Um, I also have a Facebook page that's a new, like a coaching page. It's called Chas Snowden Coaching. Most people that know me that get to know me really well start calling me Chas. And I figured, why doesn't everybody? That way everybody gets to know me. Um, my Facebook other page is closed. So if I don't accept you, don't feel like I don't like you. I just, I just can't accept anybody else. They gave me a number and I reached it. Um, on my Instagram page, inside there, the Chastity Snowden underscore FLA, there's a link. So in there, you can actually click on all of the podcasts I've been on. I'll add this one. And then you can also go to my scheduling um, system, and you literally can schedule a call for me anytime right there and answer that questionnaire we talked about. 
and get on the phone with me anytime. I try to talk to as many people as possible. Excellent. Nice. Keep up the good work. Um, <laughs> what you're doing, I, I know you already know this, but it's important. You know it's important for people. And uh, I think that yeah, you you're look great. Bring on 39. Uh, Heck yeah. And uh, 40's next, right? You, you're ready for 40? You okay with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can't really do anything about it. Beats the alternative, six feet under, you know, like. I figure 40 sounds pretty great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It would have been kind of funny if she was like, I'm scared to death of 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not scared of it because I feel like it'll just, I'll like ease into it because we only do one day at a time. So it's right. not going to be as scary. But I want to do 39 first. We'll see if I actually advertise the 40. <laughs> <laughs> Might get halfway through 39 and be like, I'm not, I'm not digging this a whole yeah, lot. <laughs> backing out now. Stay at 39. I'm just going <laughs> Thanks again, Chastity. We appreciate you taking out the time to uh, be with us today, and uh, we'll keep following you and, and look for great things. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. And we're out. Thank you to Chastity Snowden, and thank you to the CEP listener. That's right. That's you. Remember that word of mouth is such a fantastic thing, so don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety you hear right here on the CEP. Go subscribe to our show. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you retrieve the podcast that you keep near and dear to your hearts. Give us all your love on the socials and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us for any reason whatsoever, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And that's all I have, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours warm out there, okay? See ya.